all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series. We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe, from character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods. We will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about Dragon Age and its lore. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And we're here to continue our deep dive through the Elven Gods. And so we have another Elven God to talk about today. Yeah, we do have one. Um, and this one is Silas. Austin, I'm curious if you have even heard of this, this one. Um, I know it because of our first ever episode on the Elven Gods. Well, what do you remember about that specifically? You said that like, oh, there was a thing that happened. I just remember her in the list. Oh, okay. Okay. So if you were just playing the games, you probably would never have encountered or noticed this one. Well, let's get into the fun facts today. Um, I do think I agree that... This is one that's a little bit more underrated or people know a little bit less about um, than, you know, the Mythals and the Elgernons. Like, I think most people have heard of those. Siles, I don't know if you have or haven't. But anyway, let's get into trivia. So in Dragon Age 2, you can find an amulet named Siles's Favor. The amulet is restricted to Meryl, which I personally find interesting because I don't think that Meryl and Silas, personally, I don't think they have too much in common, but you can make that determination for yourself after we tell you all there is to know about this elven god. So my next fun fact and my last fun fact, actually, we don't have a ton today, um, but this is that Silas is associated with the Veer Atishan, which is known as the Way of Peace, which is um, just like a Dalish saying that we'll get into later. But you can find a pair of gloves that are named after this in Dragon Age 2, specifically in Sundermount. So let's just dive right in. So um, we've got two different names for Silas. The first one is the Hearth Keeper, and the second one is Blessed Silas, which both have very like positive, peaceful, domestic um, connotations behind. I think, especially, obviously, like the Hearth Keeper is not necessarily a connotation. Like that's just it is what it is. But when you have the Hearth Keeper paired with like the Blessed title, I do feel like that gets across a certain idea of femininity. Um, and then we build on that with the domains that she is associated with, which are the domestic arts, herbs, weaving, and interestingly enough, fire. 
So she's very much associated with these traditionally feminine domains, with perhaps the exception of fire. Um, but I think that this is kind of one of my favorite things, that this is very different from Andriel, who is very much not traditionally feminine. So they're sisters, right? Um but of course, there are differences between the two of them, which I have a little bit of a theory about um, later. But I do think it's just a fun little um, difference that, OK, we've got one that's pretty traditionally feminine and we have another one who is not so much that. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. And I know that each episode I've kind of drawn these parallels, but Sile's in her domains is very, very similar to the goddess Hestia from Greek mythology, who is the goddess of the hearth. Um, and she tends to be the most peaceful of the 12 Olympians and since and like keeps the peace of there and like is the goddess of the home and a place to be finding place at the hearth. Um, yeah, that is really interesting. I also just um, am kind of curious, though, is there I mean, I'm sure there has to be, but I just don't know who it is. Who is the Greek god of fire specifically since Silas is associated with that domain as well? Hephaestus. Interesting. Okay, so last week we made a lot of connections with June and Hephaestus. Does Hephaestus have a partner or a wife? <laughs> uh, Aphrodite. Okay, so... Can we draw comparisons to Silas and Aphrodite, perhaps? I think probably a little bit, just at like Silas. Um, it tends to be a lot of like Aphrodite is obviously the goddess of love and beauty, though she, I wouldn't compare her with necessarily of Silas. But I do remember reading something or whatever that like. Silas was beautiful, like was this beautiful goddess. Yes, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a little bit of similarity too. Um, but also I was looking on Wikipedia and according to Wikipedia, which we take with a grain of salt, but Wikipedia says that Hephaestus and Aphrodite got divorced and that his second wife was um aglaya who is one of the three charities or graces in greek mythology does this sound any thing familiar to you not that uh not that i've read or so Okay, well, they are the goddesses of joy, mirth, and then festivity and rich banquets. Um, and so they're responsible for overseeing all feasts and dances. And they're, you know, part of, they're really under Aphrodite's, like, responsibility. Um, and the second wife of Hephaestus, Aglia, acted as her messenger. So it's kind of a little bit of a messy situation there over in the Greek pantheon, but when is it not? So I think that you could probably truly fairly draw parallels between Silas and probably all of these people. 
Yeah, definitely can. Um, like I said, I don't have a lot of experience in beyond like a very surface level understanding of Greek mythology. So maybe that's true. Maybe that's uh, who knows. But I do think that's interesting that again, like Hephaestus takes the second wife who is associated with this beauty and romance again. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into Silas's roles in relationships among the Evanuris. So we know that like many of the other ones we've discussed, she is the daughter of Mithal and Elgernon. And that also means that she's sister to Andriel, Falandin, and Dirthamon. And it's also said that she is the wife of June. So we actually don't know a ton about Silas, which I think is unfortunate because She's interesting. Maybe maybe not unfortunate. Um, I do think it lends to the mystery a little bit. But we do have a few stories. So we have one small story about Silas in her youth. And that is that when she was younger, she often stayed at home to sing and make art. And she especially did these things when Andrew was out hunting. So when we take all of these other gods, and I know we haven't quite gotten to Falandin and Dirthamon yet, but if you remember, they are the god uh, gods of um, like the dead and secrets and all of this kind of stuff. And so they're all out in the world except for Silas. Silas is the only one who really stays home, who embodies who is a homebody frankly um and i think that'll tie into a little theory that i have later um but just just keep that in mind put that in your back pocket so um the next thing we know about silas's role in the evanuris is actually one of conflict and that is that there was a pretty significant rivalry between her and the rest of the elven gods, at least once she was older. Um, now, it's said that the rest of them, pretty much all of them, were, were jealous of Silas for some reason that we don't quite know. And we get a few more details about this controversy, at least from the perspective of Silas's followers specifically. And so we get this in a codex and in inquisition titled Song to Silas, and this is what it says. Silas, whose heat rivals Elgernon's light. Silas, whose temples rival Mithal's cities. Silas, whose breath rivals Andriel's spear. Silas, whose skill rivals June's craft. Silas, whose fire cannot be quenched. We give ourselves gladly to your service. So, do you have thoughts about anything thus far? I just, it's interesting, the middle two are the interesting things to me that are what they're jealous of, of uh, Mithal's cities and Andriel's spear, uh, that her temples are like cities, and that her breath is like Andriel spear meaning that and if we look at her domains like domestic arc herbs weaving and fire it really is kind of like this goddess of home and like the domain of home pierces better than a huntress spear and I just think that's really interesting on this song and what they kind of rival with 
the other Evan Nuris because it's very interesting because it's like, okay, um, with the temples and breath, it's like, oh, here's these great things, but these things that you might not think are better are actually better than these things. Yeah, that kind of ties into what I was going to say because all of the things, with one exception, that are attributed to Siles are not actual things. They're uh, concepts like heat, breath, skill. Mm-hmm. Like those are not physical weapons or buildings or something that you could like grasp onto. Whereas when you look at the things that are attributed to the other gods, it's it's cities and spear and craft. And of course, there's an exception with yes, okay, we we see fire in the real world. That's attributed to Siles. And then of course Elgernon just has light. Like, yeah, okay, there's an exception there. But generally it's an interesting pattern. And something else I wanted to point out is that Dirthamon and Falandin, and of course Fenharel, but that's not that's not surprising. They're not mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. it is a little bit surprising that Dirthamon and Falandin are not mentioned in this poem. Right. And it's interesting. And I know that as I say in the show notes, you're going to get into a little bit of this, but it's interesting, like her domain of fire and this heat, which you could argue in our world, like when you think of the natural world, heat and fire are in a lot of ways, physical embodiments of the sun that is distant from us. So like, is Mm -hmm. then Siles like also represented of Elgernon's will? in the material in like Thetis in the material plane. Um, yeah, I think that's a great point and absolutely ties into my little theory that I wanted to talk about next, which is about Siles and Elgernon and Andriel and just kind of their family relationships. So, you know, given that Siles is one of her domains is fire and the Dalish say that she taught them fire and its skill, AKA how to use it. I just kind of wonder if she's the one that's most like her father, Elgernon, feisty, disobedient, and perhaps even kinder to the rest of the elves um, than the rest of the Ebeneris are, hence causing the conflict. I think that this would be a pretty interesting twist since Siles is presented as the domestic, calm, gentle, and feminine sister, whereas Andriel is the sister who is more masculine, who is a hunter. She's aggressive, ambitious, assertive, etc. She gets what she wants, whereas Siles is passive. She is not uh, portrayed, depicted as like a go-getter. She is you know, she stays at home. So I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, that I think that is interesting. And it's an excellent point about the distinction between the two and that two women goddesses that present very, very differently. And I thought it was interesting that you brought up in this thing that Elgernon and Silas are the kinder to the elves. When, like, in Dalish lore, I feel like, and then in the game, we're presented that, oh, Mythal is the one that actually on- only cared about the el- elven people. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you can absolutely make the argument that Elgernon does care for the people in his own twisted way, of course, because it's his vengeance. 
at injustice that gets him this reputation of destruction. He his vengeance at, you know, people treating people badly, frankly, is why the elves stopped going to him to resolve their problems. That's why Mithal became the Judicator instead of Elgernon. So I think you absolutely can make that argument. And I think you can also make the argument that Elgernon and Mithal both are much more kinder to the elves than any of their children are. I think I would agree with that. And I was just thinking of, because, you know, I always have that Assassin's Creed brain of when you're sitting in judgment as Eivor and Sigurd comes in and he's like, nah, you're terrible. So go die. Yeah. I mean, I think Elgernon is, is perhaps a little bit more extreme than that, but yeah. And I mean, as you all know, you and the listeners, y'all know that I have a fondness for Elgernon. Um, of course. But I, another thing, going back to Silas a little bit, another thing that I'm curious about with regard to this codex, the song to Silas, um, there's also the possibility that this could be totally fabricated by her followers or that she could have been like the least, um, the less God, and they're trying to uplift her more. I think that's... Uh totally um possible or that uh perhaps you're this is a both and perhaps silas was considered less than and because she was kinder to the elves and so her followers lifted her up because of that mm. I absolutely think that that's possible too. Um, but all of this is a little bit of speculation. And I know we've been trying not to get into theory crafting too, too much on these episodes. So let's just kind of move it right along a little bit to temples. And um, we only know about one. And this is a small shrine to Silas in the Exalted Plains. And it has a brazier of flames in the middle of the shrine, which is an ode also to her domain of fire. And then lastly, before our mid-break is her Valisleen. And to me, this is super interesting. And that's because this Valisleen is the one that has the most significant differences between the simple and the complex versions. So the simple version just kind of looks like two or three vines swirling and tangling, and it's tattooed over the left eye. Whereas the complex version, it does have that. But it also is over both eyes, and there are branches that connect the two eyes and then continue down the cheeks, and that there is another knot on the chin. So I think that there's a pretty significant difference here. And I think if you if you disagree, you're and you may be a proponent if you're listening of, well, have you seen Elgernon's Valisleen? And in fact, yes, I have. However, Elgernon's complex Valisleen, while intense is just an inversion of his simple design yeah it's interesting to me that like the simple version is like just over one eye and it's its own thing on there but like this complex version has so many different things going on but they're all like completely connected by these vines which i think is a lot of ways that Silas domains kind of show out here and that she has a lot of domains but in a lot of ways they're all connected yeah i think that's a really great point 
And one that I had not considered, I absolutely do think that is a possible theory about why there are so many, because on the surface, again, her domains aren't connected either. Like, what do herbs and, like, weaving have to do with each other? What does fire have to do with the arts? I understand what fire and herbs have to do with each other. Like, that's cooking. But, you know... But once you know, it's kind of like, you know, both and I, you and I play the New York Times connection. It's like once you and I think there's four of them. So, you know, there you go. The connection category is domains of silase. But when you see the theme between them, it's so obviously like home, the hearth. This is what you're talking about. And I think we haven't really talked about this or maybe you do later. So if you do, don't let me go on but the story we talked about in the june episode last week of her like building this house and uh katie obviously brought up like did june just build her husband a fancy house and now i feel like or did yeah or whatever like did Sally's just make june a fancy house and i think that's totally in character with her domains yeah i absolutely agree um but Let's move on a little bit to the mid-break, and then we'll kind of come back and talk about what the Dalish have to say. All right. So you like to read. What's wrong with that? It's frivolous. There are more important things for me to do. That's just her favorite. Nobody asked you to winter. <laughs> I couldn't finish the last one you lent me. I actually feel dumber for having tried. It's literature. Smutty literature. Whatever you do, don't tell Varric. Mm, no offense, but might I try? I've got a quick hand, after all. Ha, let's see. Oh, when was the last time I slipped my hand into some dark hole? Hmm. I remember a long story, that. You hurt my head sometimes, Solas. Yes. I have been known to do that. So, welcome to the middle of the show, where we take time to thank our patrons. Uh, thank you so much to this year's patrons. This year's stickers have been posted in our Discord and on Twitter. X, whatever it's called. I'm probably going to call it Twitter until the day I am decrepit and my grandkids are like, Grandpa, it's called X. And I'll be like, in my day, it was Twitter. It's also posted on uh, Patreon as well. You can go check that out. If you sign up for our Antiven Crow tier, I believe, you can get those quarterly stickers. They're really awesome. There is one of a nug and a cup that I am obsessed with and definitely want to do that. Uh, we also like to thank our first patrons here, Genesis and Lisa M. Thank you so much for that support. If you can't support us on Patreon, uh, that's okay. We get that. We love doing this show for free for anyone who wants to listen to it for free. Uh, but you can support us by leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple's and Spotify. Apple's on Apple and Spotify. <laughs> yes, Apple's. You know, I'm already getting that that old thing. I'm calling things incorrectly. I'm gonna start calling it the Apple and the Spotify now. <laughs> My wife is dying. <laughs> I am. Apple's really got me. <laughs> But anyway, you can leave us ratings and reviews. If you read them out, we'll leave, uh, leave us five stars. We will read out your words. 
on a future episode of the show. We don't have any to read. So like if you've got a burning desire to like let everyone know how great the show is, go ahead and do that. Also on Spotify, because you can comment on specific episodes. If you're listening to this and being like, oh, man, I really wonder about this or oh, I really got this awesome fan, this theory that I think about this particular Elven God, go ahead and comment it and we'll read it out and maybe talk about it at some point in the show. Another thing you could do is join our Discord where you can join all the other Dragon Age fans and talk about Dragon Age, talk about Assassin's Creed, our other shows, talk about Baldur's Gate, talk about random stuff, share pictures of your pets, see picture of our pet Snips, who is both adorable and dramatic. And so, but join the Discord, great place to be. And lastly, if you're interested in more Dragon Age Lorecast merch, such as mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, other things, let us know. Hop in that Discord, hop on on Twitter, X, the Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Hop on there. Let us know what you would like to see in merch. If there's something, something we always say that... um you know, maybe we're not thinking of like that you associate with our podcast. Let us know what you associate with the Dragon Age lore cast. And we might put it on a shirt or some merch. All right. Let's go get back into the show then. Abominations are always so awkward at family reunions. Have you ever seen an abomination? They are ugly. Dorian? Those words you say, what do they mean? What, you mean like mendicant? Ultimatum? No ass when you're mad. Vishanti Kofas. You're swearing, I know it. Vishanti Kofas. It's Tavine, relics of the old tongue. We still use the colourful phrases. And it means what? Literally, you shit on my tongue. <laughs> oh, you fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is... All right, so let's talk about Dalish folklore and beliefs about Silas. So um, I think the Dalish honor her a lot, actually, because of the belief that she's the one that gave them fire. Of course, they would honor her. Um, but they also believe that she's the one that taught them how to use it. So while the other gods may have given them the sun, or, you know, whatever else, Silas is kind of heralded as unique because she had a more active role. She taught them how to use her gift. So anyway, they also believe that she is the one who showed the elves how to use magic and herbs to heal, as well as how to ease the pains of childbirth. And even more so, Silas is also said to be the one to teach them how to weave, making threads and rope. So out of all of these different domains, she's constantly teaching the Dalish or the elves that came before the Dalish how to use these gifts. So I think more than any of the other Avenirists, she has taken on this very active role in being hands-on, being teaching, being instructive um, to the elves. I don't think any of the other ones kind of have this. Maybe Fenharel is the only one you can argue. And I, I really don't even think it's the same as this. So 
Um, I do have a quote from the Siles Codex to read that is in support of this argument. So it's the Hearthkeeper Codex and says, We owe much to Siles, and that is why we sing to her when we kindle the fires and when we put them out. That is why we sprinkle our aravels with Siles's fragrant tree moss and ask that she protect them all and within. Did you have thoughts so far? Yeah, I just think it's really interesting her pairing with June. And from what I know about Fallon Din and Durthamin, that these gods do kind of exist in pairs almost. Like there's a duality to them. Like you have Sales and June, you have um Andriel and Gilanon, you have Mythal and um Elgranon. Elgranon. And then Fallodin and Durthamin. And there's like these pairings that come and it's that's a very like common idea that um that comes up especially in a lot of e like southeastern asian religions of like this duality that exists of there's always a pair for this there are things that exist in pairs there's a yin and a yang is another example of that and i just think it's interesting that one of the things that I think is common between Silas and June is they're both like very much into creation. And yes, like Elgernon has a lot of attachment to creation, but not like these two do of like creating and not only just creating creation, but teaching the um, the people they're leading to create. Which I think is really interesting because that's what the Chantry teachers teaches why humans, particularly in Chantry lore, you could argue for more, but are favored by the maker over the spirits because they can create. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting parallel, too. Um, and I, I do think that both June and Siles are unique in this. Um, and of course, all of the Evanuris, like they are all associated with different aspects of creation, as all elves are. But these two, it's much, much more of an instructive nature. Mm -hmm. um, but let's move on to the Vir Atishan a little bit. Like I mentioned in the, the trivia, the fun facts, this is the way of peace. Um, and unfortunately... We don't really know a lot about what it specifically is, but what we do know is that it's in contrast to Andriel's way, um, and we know that many of the Dalish follow Silas's path and many of the Dalish follow Andriel's path. However, we also know that Silas's path is said to be, quote, the more difficult path. And that those who learn this path, they also learn the path and the arts of the healer and the mender. So again, this very much tracks with everything we've already known about her, but it also continues that maybe antagonism between the two sisters. Mm -hmm. It's just really interesting, like... I, I can't remember. Is not Andriel's way. You might not know either off the top of your head, but isn't it the way of mercy? I might also be confusing D&D &D because I believe there is also a way of mercy monk. Um. Okay, so it's the Vir Tanadol and it's the way of the three trees. And so mm. there is there is partially the um, 
way of the arrow is be swift and straight. The way of the bow is to find mercy, resilience, pliancy, and strength. And then the way of the woods is to be mindful about the gifts you receive. Um, So, yes, there is absolutely mercy involved in that, especially in the way of the bow. Um, But I do feel like it's a little bit, you know, it's still pretty different from, like, I wouldn't classify that as peace. Right. And it's interesting to me because, like, the Dalish in general, I wouldn't call them a pacifist group because they're absolutely not, especially like given their history um, and their exalted marches, the exalted marches against them and everything else. They are not necessarily a peaceful group, but there is this like innate pacifism in like their culture that I think you don't see in the other cultures of Thetis. In that, like, especially, like, in regard to nature, which is a lot from Andrew, like, there's a pacifism that exists there. But I think it's really interesting because there are a couple um, moments in Dragon Age 2 when you encounter the Dalish that you basically kind of call of, like, you push them to, like, hey, taking out this violence is not going to help you. And they are very amendable to that idea. So again, I see this. I think this is part of that, this way of peace of knowing that like healing and mending, like again, I just think that's unique to the Dalish a little bit in Thetis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, so kind of the last thing I want to talk about before we get into our side character, and this may be um a little bit of a conversation, but I've been looking forward to this piece of this episode since I did the research. Um, because it's really interesting. So, and this really has nothing to do with like any appearance of Silas, but this has to do with the Cullen romance. So, in Trespasser, if you romance Cullen. You can get married. We all know this. It's the happiest ending. However, if you marry Cullen as an elf, you can have some unique dialogue. And basically, you can exchange like elven vows. And so the elven dialogue, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it here. The dialogue is Siles Anast Var Aravel, Lama Aralas Mirlath Belinaris. We unfortunately do not have an official translation of this. However, you can see Silas is a part of those vows. So what does it mean? Well, there's a phenomenal Tumblr blog who is a project that's basically dedicated to translating all or almost all of what elven language we have in Dragon Age. Now, of course, we know that it's not a full language. It's a cipher, whatever. We know this. We're just trying to get the meaning. So this awesome, phenomenal, amazing, lovely Tumblr blog is Finex Sheral. Uh, F-E-N-X-S-H-I-R-A-L. And the translation project is called Project Elven. So they claim they have tried to interpret this, um, these vows. And so they claim that the wedding vow translation, literal translation, is Sile's Blessing R. Aravel to time pass my ambition towards love. 
eternity. Obviously, that's not quite a full sentence, but um, they have a fuller translation, including like a poetic meaning, which of course is subject to interpretation, um, but I think that it's absolutely fair. And so their translation of the wedding vows are this. Silas's blessing upon our home. From now on, my purpose is to love you for eternity. Yeah, I think. And as someone who has dealt with literal translation of like ancient languages that we don't quite know how they work. And you are there with me, too, with whatever. But. A lot of times you get sentences like the one like to pass time, my ambition towards love eternity, like that's what it literally translates to. But we can take context and interpretation and put, you know, saying like, oh, well, Aravel was there is a Dalish home like that is what they live in. That's what they travel in. That's everything. So blessing upon our home. And then we put together things. My purpose is to love you for eternity. Um, it reads like a wedding vow. It reads like a wedding vow that would, you know, you could take, you know, what whoever you believe in, whatever deity or whatever you believe in, blessing on your home from now on. My purpose is to love you for eternity. You could say that at any wedding anywhere, and I guarantee the moms will cry. Um you're such an asshole it's cute it's sweet it's lovely it is it is and i am but saying that because ruin it. <laughs> yeah you ruin it no but it it makes sense and like it doesn't mean and this is the thing about like yes poetic translation and meaning is open to interpretation but that doesn't always equate to it's not faithfully translated to like what it yeah, really means absolutely yeah, I think this is a very faithful translation, and I'm so glad that there's a person out there who's doing this so that I don't have to because I don't think that I could. Um, but yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's super sweet. And I actually disagree with you, Austin. Um, you said that you could exchange Silas's name for any god. And while you could do that, I think Silas being that the hearth keeper, the having the domain of like, domestic arts, fire, you know, cooking herbs, those kinds of things. I think that it makes it much more powerful to have her blessing specifically over your home and over your marriage. Yes, I actually totally agree. And I just want to make a small connection. I was saying you could add in any of our real world deities and say this and it would still like apply. Okay, that's fine. I, um, I accept that. I accept your apology. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, do you have any other final thoughts about Silas, or are we ready to transition to our side character? I think let's go ahead and transition. All right. So today's side character was mentioned in last week's side character. And this is, of course, Ireland, who is friends with Strife, a member of the Moreland clan, and also appears in Ruins of Reality short story and most recently the missing comic. Of course, she is another elf. I would not necessarily associate her um, with Silas specifically. I think um, maybe there are some similarities, but 
this is just another elf this time around. So um, let's get into the basics. So obviously, I've already said she's Dalish from Clan Morlin, but she's also a shapeshifter. And we've seen her take the form of a hala, a falcon, an owl, a bear, a wolf, and an eagle, at least so far. She also seems to have a modified form of the Durthaman Valisline. Now, she also appears in Taventer Nights, Three Trees to Midnight, which we kind of mentioned last week. It's the first place we're introduced to Ireland. And um, again, this is also the chapter we're introduced to Strife. Ireland's role in this chapter is that she's originally sent to help spy on the Cunari, and when Strife finally escapes from their prison, she helps him get through the forest. We don't get a ton from her here, but we do establish that she's very adept at shape-shifting and, of course, that she always keeps her word. Now, in Ruins of Reality, which was published that same year as Tebenter Nights for Dragon Age Day, we see her again. Interestingly enough, this short story is also told through Strife's point of view, and Ireland, again, is a character within it. The plot of this story is that a clan or that a relic of Clan Morlin has been handed down through many generations. And well, as you can guess from last week's episode, it has been twisted by magic and is rewriting itself. Um, the new writing describes a ruin in Arlatham Forest and um, that the forest is holding a secret and powerful artifact. Again, this artifact is none other than a crystal hollow figurine held by a statue of Gillanon. Um, Ireland and Strife have to go get it. And then that's when they realize that there's a lot more things going wrong in the forest and there's time magic and they have to fight off a bunch of angry Sylvans, etc. And then lastly, and most recently, we have seen Ireland show up in two issues of The Missing, um, which was released over the course of 2023, as was established in the Ruins of Reality short story. Again, something weird's happened in Arlatham Forest. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> but essentially, the Dalish have created a group of hunters and mages specifically to kind of deal with and figure out this threat. They are called the Veil Jumpers. Ireland and Strife are both part of this group, and so they show up to help Varric and Harding through the forest. They go through many trials to get to the heart of the forest, attempting to find the Crucius Stone, and when they arrive, Varric realizes Solus has already gotten it, and that's when they learn that Solus is Fen Harrell. Ireland pretty quickly puts two and two together that um, an elven god with a Crucius stone easily explains the chaos of what's happening in Arlatham Forest and is actually really bad. Um, but unfortunately, that's all we know about Ireland um, as of yet. I, again, think she's a pretty good candidate for a potential companion in Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Um, and again, like I did last week, I Ireland is pretty clearly a person of color in the comics. She's not white, so I hope she's not whitewashed in the game. Um, I think that Ireland more than Strife, I think, would be at risk of whitewashing because Strife is very clearly like a dark-skinned, like black man. Ireland is a little bit lighter skinned and i think that it would be easy just to lighten her skin as bioware has done many a time before and say oh no this is just how she's always been when in reality well that's not quite accurate 
So I'm just saying I hope that doesn't happen. I would love to see her in Dragon Age Dreadwolf. I think that she's that she could be a pretty cool um, companion. Yeah, um, I think she's a, definitely a potential companion. And something that stuck out to me about this is with Ireland, we have two things that were only featured in Dragon Age Origins that they have brought back, which is the shape-shifting magic ability uh, and the um, Sylvans. That's true, though. Sylvans did appear in the um the masked empire book mm, right but which is good because sometimes i think that bioware forgets about dragon age origins and the things they put in there like i think they're yeah. still hoping that we've forgotten about the art architect but we have not bioware okay well first of all the architect appears in a dlc and a book so that's on them yes it is. But I think uh, she's awesome, and I would love to see a shapeshifter companion that's not connected to Mythal, Flynn Mythal, or Morrigan. Yes, same here. But yeah, thanks for uh, bringing that uh, episode or all that stuff about side character and Silas. It was very, very interesting. Um, I think Silas might be my favorite I've heard of so far. How traditional of you. Well, sorry. You know, I am a house husband. No, you're not. I know I That's have a job. Even true. But, <laughs> but anyway, do you have anything else to add? I do not. All right. Well, then we'll wrap it up here. Thank you all for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on patreon.com slash dragonagelorecast. The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. 
So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.